I get a whooping? No Man Presents, live from the nudie bar, the Married with Children Podcast. And here are your hosts, Jerry, Justin, and Al. What's up, guys, and welcome to the Married with Children podcast, season one wrap-up show. Here we are to go over everything, do a big overall type show for every review we just did for season one of Married with Children. So uh, I am joined, as always, by Jerry. What's up, man? Not much, man. Glad to be here. Uh, I'll be even gladder uh, when I meet a certain person. Hmm. I wonder if you're hinting to what we alluded to on the last show. And as always, we are joined by Justin himself. What's up, brother? Justin doesn't get the joke at the beginning, but guess what? There is no joke, so I get it. Wow, you finally get it. It only took uh, 14 episodes. Yeah, and no joke to get it. (laughs) All right, guys. So, yeah, like I said, that's what we're here to do. You know, we just, you know, thank you again for everybody who's been listening. This is a brand new podcast. We really love Married with Children. Well, Justin doesn't. He's loving it, but he doesn't Mm -hmm. love it, meaning that he didn't say, well, you know, I always love this show. I'd really like to do a show on it. He is the newcomer of the show, like we stated in the first episode. Jerry's the casual guy who who knew of the show, always liked it when it was on. And I'm the uh, Norman Bates psycho-obsessed type guy of the show. So uh, the three of us together, we thought, you know what? With those three perspectives, I think we could uh, put out a pretty fun show here. So that's what we did. We've done 13 reviews, basically, all of season one. And now we're here to wrap it up, give overall thoughts. We're going to give our favorite three episodes of the year. We're going to give our two least favorite episodes of the year. You know, we're going to give our favorite moments of Al, Peg, Kelly, Bud, Steve, Marcy. Uh, My favorite uh, moment of Buck, by the way, is when he was throwing up and coughing up marshmallow puffs, if anybody wants to (laughs) Mine was him banging all the bitches. Did he do that? Yeah, that's... Yeah. What episode was that? Oh, no, wait. That is a later on episode. But he still bangs all the bitches still. All day, every day. Uh, so, <laughs> off screen, Buck is banging away. So, uh, again, thank you guys for listening to all 13 of those reviews. And we have a long, long road ahead of us. We have five years of this. What do you want to get to first? You know, I don't know. I was thinking that let's let's go over some stats real quick. You have stats. I have stats. First of all, let's talk about Kelly. Let's go ahead and get this out of the way before we make all of this awkward. Um, Kelly had some boys this season. None of them were us. Ah, uh, well then I don't want to hear about it. Yeah. Well, you don't want to hear about Cobra. Roger with the Mustang and the dog collar and Dweeb who literally does not care about anything. Human life has no meaning to him. Okay. Now, <laughs> now you're piquing my interest. Okay. I will listen to this. 
Kelly throughout this episode was with a lot of boys, including one nameless one that came down the stairs um, that she paid uh, her brother Bud to help her with. But we only got three names for season one. You know, I got to give it to Cobra, who has a bitchin' van with a cobra painted on the side of it. And he smokes cigars. That's pretty cool. He has a cool horn that is very reminiscent of like horror movies, which I'm into. (laughs) So I'm going to have to go with Cobra on this one, even though. And his name is cool. So, okay, then, Justin, where are you at? Who are you feeling out of all these guys? I'm right with Alex, man. Cobra. Like, if I was a teenage girl, I think Cobra sounds the most appealing. You know, this guy. Okay, let me. (laughs) Let me let me play the middleman here, though, uh, and, and take go to bat for Roger. Uh, Roger s- stole a car. Okay. Sold the car. To two idiots, right? Made pure profit. Mm-hmm. And has a dog collar. But it was a rust bucket when he drove it around. It wasn't even nice. Uh, okay. The, the, good. He still sold it and made profit. He yeah. is way more... Ba- he's... He's way better than Cobra, whose daddy bought him a, a spray-painted van. Uh, no, Cobra, uh, yeah, his his van was so cool that uh, he didn't have to sell it. You know, he didn't want you to You didn't sell even it. see his van. The, well, the picture painted of Cobra, from what we know about him, just sounds cooler than Roger with a dog collar. Right. With a rusty Mustang. Like, Roger's Mustang was a rolling junk heap jalopy. It was only cool when Alan and Steve fixed it up. Yeah. I don't care what y'all say. Oh, you're going against us. Okay, buddy. I see how it is. Yeah. Yeah. I'm uh I'm the Steve in this situation, sir. That does not <laughs> surprise me. Okay. Yeah. All right, guys. We're going to dive into this much further, but before we do, if you guys noticed the first couple episodes, we wanted to give you guys a sense of where we are in the world while these Married with Children episodes were airing for the first time ever. You know, it's a big thing. What's going on in TV is a reflection of what's going on in the world, things like that. So, you know, when you're doing a literally a retrospective, but what we're doing is a chronological exploration of the Married with Children television show. So when you're doing something like that, it is very important to know where the world is at that time. Um, It just didn't seem to go right for us when we wanted to do it. We weren't getting the kind of information that was fun or entertaining or sort of like in any way interesting. You know, I did a little research before we started this show because I think we should give 1987 a wrap up as as we're giving this show a wrap up. So I'm just going to run through some things really quick. It's about seven like sort of semi or major events in 1987. So this was what was going on in the world in 1987 while Marrow Children season 1 was airing for or debuting, whatever you want to say it. So in 1987, one of the biggest events in entertainment was the WWF, which is uh, wrestling. That was when WrestleMania 3 took place in the Pontiac Silverdome that had over 93,000. They broke an indoor attendance record with that. And that was the legendary wrestling match where Hulk Hogan body slammed and defeated Andre the Giant for the first time. Andre's never been taken off his feet, or so they said. I was about to say, hold up a second. He has been taken off his feet before. 
multiple times before this. Yeah, people don't know that. Andre was actually slammed by, I think, two other guys, and he was slammed by Hogan before WrestleMania 3. But Vince and everybody else in WWF almost promoted it as if that never happened. It was really weird. Uh, Has he ever been defeated? That I couldn't tell you. But he has been uh, slammed before, so that was weird. Uh, Michael Jackson released his third solo album, Bad. You know, it wasn't the big thriller, but Bad was released in 1987. So that's what's going on in music. You know, that's where the world was. As far as sexuality in the world, the the first national coming out day is held in celebration of the second national march on Washington for lesbian and gay rights. So all that was brewing and cooking. And as all you guys know, Marcy on Married with Children is gay. And I think she came out as openly gay around season five or six or so, or else it just kind of creeped out there. Amanda Bierce. And we're going to, you know, we made some faux pas, I guess you can call it. As a podcast about married children, we never really talked about these actors. We never really mentioned the words Ed O'Neill, Katie Segal, Christina Applegate, David Faustino, David Garris, or Amanda Bierce too often. We never really said that. We never treated them like they were actual people who were acting out a role. We've mentioned it one time or another, how we talked about how Katie Segal created the Peg Bundy character, but we never really got... Was that Buck in the background? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is he, did he return from the dead? So we never really talked about these people as actors. So we are going to get into that and talk about their acting prowess. So yeah, Marcy is gay, which is really cool because, and I met her in real life. She's awesome. As you'll see in further episodes down the road, she portrays a straight woman really well. She must be an amazing actress because the way she acts like she's into Steve and Jefferson is phenomenal. To be fair, it's not hard to act like you're into Steve. I mean, have you seen him? <laughs> yeah, that little banker of business suit, man. Whoa. Whoa, it cleans up nice. Yeah, I, I can hardly contain myself. At late 1987, Hustler Magazine versus Falwell is argued before the U.S. Supreme Court. Is that the Larry, uh, Larry Flint um, versus... That the movie Larry Flint, uh, the People versus Larry Flint was based off of. Was it this court case? Do you know? Uh, I do not know. All right, listeners, I need to know. Is this? Let me know. If it was, what does that mean? Have you never seen the the movie People versus Larry Flint with Woody Harrelson? No. Oh, dude, dude, it's so good. If you liked um Howard Stern's Private Parts, mm-hmm. you would enjoy Larry the People versus Larry Flint. Oh, I loved his private parts. All righty then. So, uh... I'm doing one of your jokes here. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's very Steve of you. Ha, I know. Okay, well, just wrap it up for 1987. And the last kind of thing, it's kind of on a down note. From December 22nd to December 28th, Ronald Gene... It's weird. Whenever people kill people, they give them three names. Ronald Gene Simmons goes on a six-day killing spree in Russellville, Arkansas killing his wife, children, and grandchildren as they arrived to celebrate the holidays at his home. On the 28th, he went on a shooting spree, killing an additional woman and wounding five others before surrendering to to the police. 
His final death toll was 16. He was tried and eventually executed. Like, wow, man. And uh, a little side note, Prozac makes its, makes its debut in America. <laughs> now, I don't know if it's because the Mary Children came out, so by the end of the year, they had to give everybody Prozac. I'm not sure. <laughs> well, Alex, whenever you kill your grandchild, it is called filicide. When you kill your mother, it's called matricide. And what's the exchange rate on that? What's... <laughs> I don't know. Um, actually, you know what? I had something here, too, if you don't mind. I do mind. So let's get to our favorite Kelly moment. <laughs> okay, what's up? So we do often talk about, you know, the fact that money and, you know, we, we, we've done some numbers during the shows when they bought the Ford and, and different things like that. Uh, I thought it would be interesting to bring a little bit of uh, numbers according to the peoplehistory.com, which uh, has a little bit of numbers for living in 1987. Okay. So – the average cost of a new house was $92,000. Uh, the average income per year, this is the average income, was $24,000. Wow. The average monthly rent was $395. Oh, God. <laughs> the average price of gasoline. I'm going to guess. Let's guess. Let's guess. Okay, so it's what, 220 now? I'm going to say it was, everything seems to be three times the amount. So what's 220 divided by three? One, one. I'm going to say it's 72 cents a gallon. 89 cents a gallon. Ooh. <laughs> Jay didn't even get a chance to guess. That's all right, because my answer was wrong. <laughs> so I'm fine. I'm fine with this whole scenario, though I am thinking about calling Marty and uh, getting a time machine. Yeah, right. Take all of our money now and go back there and spend it. Yeah. Uh, they'll, the, think, they'll think my $100 bills are fake because they're colorful. <laughs> so, Jerry, you are much like Steve. Uh, he's a genius at st- statistics, numbers, because he's a banker. So uh, I relied on you to take care of statistics, stats, numbers, everything like that on season one, Married with Children. So I'm relying on you on this wrap-up show to give me something here. What do you have for me this show? Um, an example of a bad decision. Okay. No, uh, okay. So I went back and uh, we've been giving points. Peg points, owl points, and it's all based off sex. Who, if they, if something happened and they were going to have sex and they had sex, Peg gets a point. If Al is able to stop it, he gets the point. Unfortunately, Al lost. Al lost by a lot. Right. Um, which makes sense because Al just loses. Um, Al, how, do you want to guess how many points Al had? Sure. Uh, can you give me an over/under? Like, are we? Should I go over ten or what? Like, uh, it's it's it is under ten for sure. For both of them. Uh, yeah, for both of them. Okay. I'll say Peg has uh, – well, Justin, why don't you answer this because I think I have a better idea. So why don't you answer this? What you're supposed to do is if Peg gets Al to sleep with her, she gets a point. If Al gets out of this act, he gets a point. Uh, I'm going to guess and, – and I don't know this. So I'm, I'm just guessing. I'm going to guess that he has five points. Ooh. I think that's overshooting it there. No pun intended. 
So, Alex? I'm going to say two. You are right. Does Al get a point for throwing a wig at her and having sex with a fantasy? No, Peg gets it because they had sex. If they Damn it. For all <laughs> clear labels, if they have sex, Peg gets the point. And you know what? Tell us in the group how you feel and let us know if you think that it's no, just if they have sex, Peg gets the point. If they don't have sex, Al gets the point. Or it's whoever initiates the plan and succeeds. Jerry, you're going to... You're going to make my head spin. That group page is hopping, guys. I mean, I get notifications through the roof. So if you ask them to do any more, I feel like I'm not going to have a free minute to myself. But, yeah, you guys, you go ahead. That group page is on fire. But you know what? I don't care. You go ahead still, and you give all your input on this sex point thing. Please. Okay, I think that he gets style points for throwing a blonde wig at his wife and saying, here you go. Cause that was cool. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I uh, I was gonna try it, but no, y'all had to bring uh, my fiance Reese into this, and then she knew the plan, and I didn't get to do it. I didn't get to have that. Y'all took that away from me. This is the sacrifice I make for this show. Yeah, we all know Reese isn't down. So no, Jerry ain't getting nothing. She made that clear that she would absolutely have a problem and wonder why. A blonde wig is being applied to her head. Which, also, shout out to her for being our only guest during season one. She was the only one who could stomach us enough no, to no, be no, with no, us. No. Jerry, you are our only guest during season one. Yeah, I got news for you. You're not in season two. Oh, oh. Do I at least get replaced by a Jefferson-like character? We Well, yeah, exactly. That's funny you say that. Because... <laughs> <laughs> you are going to be the Steve of the show somehow because you will not make it. In, season, in, in one season, I'm going to get replaced by Dan Chase. <laughs> yeah, at least Steve lasted four seasons. You couldn't even make it to one. That's bad. I can last four seconds, though. Ha, well, there you go. You're just like Al. So now, what other stats do you have besides the sexual? Oh, by the way, and Peg, Peg, what? How many points does she have? Let's just wrap this up. How many points does Peg have overall? Five. Five. Okay. Al loses two to uh, five. Well, no, that, that was him guessing. That she was actually, a guess. Oh, oh. So very close. She had six sex points. Damn, Peg's killing it. Do you know that in another language, six is actually pronounced sex? It actually is. Look that up. That makes sense. Is this is this another uh, Wayne's World joke that I don't get? Yeah, Millie Walker, guys. <laughs> I'm glad how none of you knew that I was doing Wayne's World. So, Justin... Okay, behind-the-scenes information real quick for our listeners. I listen to every show because I like to see what Alex does. Like, this is not like – if y'all heard the uncut of this, y'all would be like, oh, my God, this is unlistenable. (laughs) Like, Alex puts some magic on this and makes me sound better and cuts out every dumb thing I say. He makes me look smarter for sure. (laughs) Um, I listen because I want to know what he does. And uh, I find it interesting. I when when that episode came out, if you heard the episode, I didn't know what he was talking about. Then when I listened to the because he didn't tell me. Then when I listened to the episode, he puts in the Wayne's World clips and I'm like, oh, my God, how did I not know that? I am like having a Kelly moment right now. I love Wayne's World. 
Yeah, you do realize that uh, Milwaukee has its share of ex- its share of visitors. I, you know, as early as the uh, late 1300s, the French missionaries were. Uh, ah, never mind. Okay, all right, guys. Okay, what do you have for stats? Is there anything else? Because I have so much to get to and so little time. The we just have this isn't necessarily a stat, but uh, it it rolls us over into start picking our best things, and uh, let's kick that off with who was the hottest chick of season one. Okay, we got the chick, the blonde in the blue dress in episode one. She's she the one that doesn't wear a bra? Yes, uh, she was a little self-conscious. Uh, can you tell she's not wearing a bra? She was runner-up. So close to the gold. Okay, and then you got the second episode, I believe, of that season, Thinergy, where a chick in a red shirt or something of some kind, uh, the Cherry Sisters, and then you have... Ooh, the uh, the chicks in the uh... Mustang. Mustang, yeah. Okay. Um, I, I feel like there is one clearly defined winner, and we all picked her. I think I know you're going to go for, it, but I'm not that big on her face. It's better than her sister's face. It is. I'm just saying that Jerry tried to pick Kelly, and we 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 vetoed that. Yeah, we vetoed that. It's just not allowed yet. I don't know how many times we have to go over this. So we got those chicks. I'm going to go, believe it or not, I'm going to go with this imaginary girl I've conjured up. I feel like there's a girl in a red something that Luke was hassling. Oh, was it the one where he made her sit up in the chair and she fell back? Yeah, I think that's the girl. I think it's the Thinergy episode. I think I like her the most. I like her more than the girl Al ends up spending the most amount of time with and Al loses his cherry because although she's dumb as a box of rocks, she's blonde, she's easy, she wants to make a video. Although all that, something about her face. Oh yeah, it was uh Synergy episode 2. She is in a red shirt with a black skirt. I am so good. See, I this me being on the show is not a mistake. I belong here. <laughs> I would hope so. <laughs> so, yeah, no, seriously, uh, that's my chick. I'm going to go with her. I, I I don't even remember she's that hot, but I think I was attracted. So that's my one. Go ahead, guys, because uh, I'm not going to go with the obvious like you thought. Go ahead. Hmm. All right. Uh, I For some reason, I just keep remembering the chick from the first episode, but I don't remember what she looked like 100%. I just remember that – she didn't have a bra on and <laughs> they wins. were like, yeah. <laughs> so I'll go with her. Mm-hmm. Jerry. Well, uh, I picked the obvious um, Sherry Cherry of the Cherry Sisters. Uh, I, I still I think Sherry is uh, the hottest uh, of the available choices. Oh, she's available. She's very she's available and vacant, and that's how I like them. Whether you're married, she has a, she actually has a vacant sign that she slides back and forth on her forehead. She stole that from her one of her uh, airplanes. That's 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 her form of a trans. <laughs> yeah. All right. So hottest guy is season. No, I'm just kidding. Um, nobody picked Peg, huh? Peg. Oh, hey, wait. <laughs> you can't pick Peg. You can't pick Peg. You can't pick Marcy, Marcy and you can't pick Kelly. If I can't yeah, pick you Kelly, can't pick... yeah, weirdo. Okay, I was not alone in those conversations, gentlemen. <laughs> All right, so what's next? Well, I feel like I want to save our favorite three episodes for our last conversation. I just feel like we should do that. Okay, now 
let's get into some things we may have missed along the way. That's what this little uh, sub-segment is called. What we missed along the way. One of the Cherry Sisters. It turns out, guys, Terry Cherry, which is the one that we all felt was the unattractive one in the blue dress, she is actually an enormously famous person. She happens to be Mick Jagger from the Rolling Stones' wife. I don't know if he's still married to her or not, but that's his wife. So she's a rocker all the way, man. Like, she totally digs this show. She's into the party life, all that kind of stuff. So she's a cool chick. I do feel bad that we were sort of judgmental on her looks and we said she looks like the chick from Total Recall. But here's the the odd thing about it. She was in a, a 1980s movie. It wasn't with Arnold Schwarzenegger, though. It was with Michael Keaton and Jack Nicholson. Do you know what movie I'm talking about? Batman. Can you believe that? Do you remember the scene where the Joker was in the art museum? And he's with a blonde chick. And she's wearing a Phantom of the Opera mask. And he says, I think her name is Alicia or something like that. He says he did a little art of his own. And he pulls the mask off her and he squirted that acid into her face and disfigured her that's her damn Can and you she believe- didn't even have to use special effects for that oh <laughs> are you trying to say that was a stain for mick jagger i'm just saying well i mean she she had mick jagger on looks until he got old right i wonder we should look up if they're actually still married do, 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 do. Oh, good. Um, Thank let you. Me look. You go ahead. Now just go to Al Loses Cherry, then click her name, and then try to do something else. Okay. And while our Steve of the episode does that research, here's someone else we missed, guys. We missed... Uh, Jerry Hall, right? Oh, her name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. It is. Uh, they got their... Jerry Hall... Got her marriage annulled what? from Mick Jagger. It was actually, their marriage was common law. Really? Yeah, it was a common law with Mick Jagger, and they had four children. Um, and because it was common law, apparently they got it annulled. It was not a divorce. It was annulled. So it's common law where you've just been together for so long, you're legally, like, technically married? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Not all states believe it. Not all states have it. Um, and there's also like certain rules, like some states you have to have lived together for a certain period of time. That's actually how me and my wife got married. It was a lot cheaper. You know what is even more cheaper? <laughs> Living like Justin and not getting married. <laughs> yeah. I feel ya. Uh, just think of the amount of money he'll have over me when I get divorced. It's weird I'm saying that because tonight is my seventh year anniversary with my wife. <laughs> Oh. Really? Yeah, we met. What so a glorious way to spend it. I don't feel dudes. so bad now that uh, la- when we recorded, um, when we were supposed to record the first time for the thing, the Alien versus Thing show, I accidentally scheduled that on my eight-year anniversary. Wow. Yeah, we're two winners, guys. Clearly, we have priorities straight here. We're podcasting instead of being in a relationship. Yeah, instead properly. of a romantic night with our uh, soulmates, women, wherever we're actually sitting here podcasting. All right. So, yeah, we definitely got our life in order. 
Okay. It's how Al would want it. I'm sure. I'm even Al would frown upon this. Actually, yeah, he would. I know he would. So now the other person that I surely did not gloss over. However, we did uh, miss a few fun facts. Now, I would like to read an email leading into this. There's a really cool guy who listens to our show. His name is Joshua Lockery, and he wrote this. Just wanted to say thanks for producing such a great podcast. I've been hooked since the first episode. You guys brighten my Fridays, soon to be Wednesdays, and look forward to the move to Wednesdays. Oh, I shouldn't have, oh, Sorry, I interrupted your thing. Okay. So we said thank you, things like that. He said, just a fun tidbit, since you guys spoke so highly of Luke Ventura. He's a very well-respected comic from the 70s to present. He was buddies with a guy we all love, Sam Kennison, who was a guest on Married with Children later down the road. And uh, we all, that's one of our favorite episodes. Everybody watches that Christmas episode. It's a Monday Full Life. We watch that every year. Uh, he said, he just released his book, and talks extensively about uh, partying with Sam. It's called Kicking Through the Ashes. He also talks about Ed O'Neill and his time on the show. He said he's a super fan and he would love to contribute any way he can. And he also mentioned what we already actually knew, but we forgot to mention on the show. We actually discovered it later. Uh, Dan Chase said they, uh, was one of the people who came to me. One of my co-hosts on my horror podcast, The Skeleton Crew, he he let me know that that chick is Mick Jagger's wife, and she was the love interest of the Joker in Batman 1989. So now let's focus on Luke Ventura. What is uh, Luke Ventura's real name? It is Rich Scheider. I hope I'm saying that right because it's R I T C H Rich Scheider S H Y D N E R. Scheidner. Scheidner. Uh, he is a shy nerd. And um, no. Um, so really cool, though. Um, we talked about how he was buddy with Sam Kinison. And we've also talked about how Sam Kinison was up for the role of Dan in Roseanne, right? No, he was up for the role of Al. I thought, no, I thought. Uh, no, the Roseanne original... was going to be Peg. Oh, yeah. Well, the original idea was going to be Roseanne and Sam. And then Roseanne later on got her own show. Right. Guess who went to go write for Roseanne? Sam? Our man Luke. Oh, really? Yes, he wrote for a couple of different shows, but most notably was Roseanne. Yep, I thought that was very interesting how that worked out. He wrote for their chief competition? Yes. Um, I. You only keep him around for one season. What do you expect? You know, he only lasted, guys, four episodes. I'm going to say I know all of them. The pilot, Thinergy, 16 years, and what do you get? And Al loses Cherry. I believe yeah. I'm spot on right there. So even Justin, you love Luke. I mean, has the guy done any wrong? And talk about how he filled in the gaps and contributed so well to the show. Yeah, you know, I think that it, I when you guys told me that he what I thought he would be like a regular. Like I was 100% convinced that that he was like, oh, this especially since he's in the pilot episode, but I I figured like he will be in the series throughout. 
the entire show because he seemed so impactful in the minor role that he played in these couple episodes. Uh, he was way more impactful than what the role, you know, was. And he he was funny as hell. And you just thought like, oh, this guy can be a great character for the show, probably have his own episodes you know, dedicated right. to him where, where something happens, you know, with, with him, I could totally like just start writing things in my head that could happen to him and, and to center the show around him certain times. It really surprised me when you guys told me that. How do you not understand? Capitalize. Yeah. How, yeah. how do you not? It's, it's almost like Luke would have fit. He was almost ahead of his time. The guy would have fit in this show for the whole 11 years. He was so cutting edge, so ahead of his time, and he got the show. He got it, man. Yeah, and if we want to talk about, like, if you like him a lot and you want to see him, he was on other TV shows. He was on Designing Women, uh, Roseanne. He was on an episode of Dr. Cat's Professional Therapist. He was in uh, Beverly Hills Cop 2, and he was in Roxanne. Oh, the Steve Martin movie. Yeah, I believe so, yes. Wow. So he rubbed elbows with Steve Martin, too? And at Beverly Hills Cop 2. That means he he was with Eddie Murphy. Jesus, man. And like, and I told you he wrote for Roseanne. Well, I don't know if y'all know this, but I'm from the South. And in the South, Jeff Foxworthy is king. And uh, there used to be a Jeff Foxworthy show, and it was really big in the South. And he was a staff writer on there. If you're a fan of comedians, you you probably know this next one. There was a show called Titus by Christopher Titus, the comedian. He was a staff writer on there also. Wow. Well, you know, I don't know. We can't say too much that we haven't said already. We gushed over Luke. We paid him his due. So I'm going to say this in wrapping up the Luke saga. And, you know, we'll miss you, bro. And we'll probably mention things about you along the way or how, uh, man, it would have been awesome if you were there, you know, this and that. It's, it's, it's truly sad. You know, it's really sad because Justin is kind of like our Luke for this group. Yeah, right. And, like, now Justin's going to have to, like, we're going to have to find someone else to link Justin to. Hmm. Yeah, because you were, you were like the guy who hangs out with candy and stuff. So now you're going to have to, like, reinvent yourself somehow we'll find a spot for you dude i'm up for the challenge yeah we're not gonna leave you in limbo or we can replace him instead of replacing me because steve is still here oh damn it i'm afraid i think i heard the boss pulling up earlier so you might you guys might actually get to meet him after all so i think you're both gonna be here but uh all right let's just say this about luke luke we really loved you man and uh, you were so cool. It only makes sense that your buds with Sam Kennison, you partied with him because we'd all love to party with you. You were th- hanging and bang with Ed O'Neill, man. So cool. Married with children. First season. You killed it, brother. You really did. You were the man. We love you. Um, and although I don't know what went down that you couldn't uh, stay or what, whatever the, the case may be, we just want to say. We'll never forget your contributions. You did your thing, and we are all very happy that you went on to great things. You wrote for big shows. You rubbed elbows with legendary comedians, and you belong with them. And we're glad that your uh, comedy career has lasted from the 70s till today. And you're writing books, 
and all this stuff. And I might just pick up his book. You know, I, I feel like I would like to support Luke and I'm going to go and pick up the book. Kicking through my ashes. Well, uh, it says here, kicking through the ashes. That's what the guy wrote, Joshua. Uh, I think when I looked it up, it's kicking through my ashes. Oh, so maybe he just, okay. Autocorrect, damn it. <laughs> so kicking through my ashes. So guys, look that up. Uh, Luke, Luke that up. If you want to <laughs> read Luke's book. Luke, thank you. And uh, you're the man, man. All right. Let's get to some, let's, uh, you know, let's pay tribute to some of the characters on the show. So Ed O'Neill, who plays Al Bundy, he was the last guy who was uh, casted for the show. They could not find Al Bundy. They found everybody else in that family, but could not find Al Bundy. They knew that this, some, somebody had something in their minds and hearts that they knew that this is bigger than, okay, let's just have him be Al. You know, they knew that only one person on this planet is Al Bundy, even though Al wasn't Al in season one. A lot of people, one of our uh, biggest listeners of this show, his name is Mike Merriman. He has his own horror podcast called Evil Episodes, and he also appears on Cut to the Chase. And he said... That the best comparison you can make with Al Bundy is he is very much, it's almost like these two shows are parallel in terms of character development. Married with Children and The Simpsons. If you notice, Al Bundy and Homer Simpson are almost identical in season one. They both come off as these stern, grumpy dads that don't have a sense of humor exactly they do al's just more sarcastic homer's sarcastic and grumpy that kind of thing and they neither one of those two characters really find who they became and what we all know and love until season roughly season two it all sort of like panned out gelled in season two and by season three they were both bam became they both became pop icons icons guys this is beyond a character on a show the world knew and the world knows them just you think of them and a whole thing goes through your brain that's how big these two people became and they ran parallel so let's talk about what are your guys favorite al bundy moments of season one like, Justin, what would you say? What episodes really would you highlight for Al Bundy in season one? And why? I think that when I was thinking of like, because there's multiple ways you can go about this type of question. Like, what is what is their moment as a character? And then what are like some awesome moments, like funny moments or whatever? But I think um, one of his best moments was for sure when he's going through all that trouble to – you know, get Peg a gift and it all turns, turns around and you find out that like, Oh, like they all spent money on the credit card and that's why he couldn't get it. And it's like a clear win for Al. And I think that that's one of my favorite moments for that character. So 16 years. And what do you get is Al's standout episode where, what do you feel that he becomes like you see the most humanistic side of him? 
Yeah, yeah. He's always, you know, the funny guy, the sarcastic guy, the, you know, uh, things, bad things always happen to me. But, like, you get to see that he does have, like, a heart and he was attempting to do all these things, these good-hearted things. And, you know, he just kind of gets his moment where it's like, yeah, see, everybody, see? (laughs) So you're saying basically uh, you get to see a stripped-down version of Al, you know, he he has this whole thing, yeah, Peg, you're annoying, yeah, you're this, you're that, but you know what? At the core of it, I do love you. I'm gonna get you the watch that you've always been harping about. And he goes to do it, and then you get to see how it all breaks down. The credit card, you know, gets rejected. Peg already spent all of his money, and you get to see a different humanistic side of Al, which we all feel we needed here. But at the same time, the fact that. And I'm not, I'm not sure it's a fact. Maybe we just got bad memories that we never see it again. It's not that big of a deal because the show becomes another thing on its own. But we're all happy we got this episode. Now, Jerry, what would you say is your standout moment of Al Bundy? I almost chose that one, and I'm really glad I didn't now. Yeah. Um, the one I actually went with might actually surprise y'all. Um, the poker game. Al Al winning and and hear me out. It's not Al winning that, that I give to him. It's his involvement in man code, because if there's anything that represents Al, it's man code and him not giving back Steve, his money is an ultimate example of how men act. Mm -hmm. And so him holding firm on that, winning that money back or winning that money and not giving it back. And then not only just that, but like spending the money, buying a cheap thing for his wife and then getting the expensive thing he wanted. The fishing rod. <laughs> yeah. Just, just is out all day. He, while he does lose a lot, um, I actually think it's completely fine when he wins because if you don't win every once in a while and you're always losing, then that's just depressing. You have to have some kind of ups. And even if it's at the cost of someone else losing, Al deserves it every once in a while. And um, so my the episode that I that I like to give to Al is the poker game because man code. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good choice. And he even isn't the one where he kind of shows what he thinks of Steve. Like, doesn't Steve play a, like, isn't that probably Steve's worst episode? Because <laughs> everything about him is the worst thing you could do. Like, even running to the wife to get her to force the guy to go ahead and do like, like everything about that episode is probably the worst example of Steve. And one of the better, obviously, as Jerry says, examples of Al. So that's yeah. that's an interesting dichotomy in that episode. Uh, for for me, um, Al loses his cherry is just so awesome to me. You know, Al stands his ground. He says he's not going to this wedding, and Peg's going to fight to the death, and he says, I'm not going to do this. If you're going to blah, blah, you know, I'm not going to continue this fight. I'm not going. And she says, okay. Then we'll fight when you get home from work. And he goes, then I'm not coming home. There's something about that. You know, I think we've all gone through that. There's always that moment that you just really clash with your other half. And we all take a stance once in a while, lay down the law, put our foot down. And Al really, you know, tried to follow through. 
And then once he's in a situation where, just think, the same night he does that is the same night he has an opportunity to sink as low as you can in a marriage and cheat. And he gets to do it with an insanely attractive girl who is years younger than him. Uh, He gets to make a video. He gets to have a foursome. So he seemingly could have had Terry and Sherry at the same time. I'm not sure if Luke shares or not, but it it seems like they're pretty loose here. And if Luke's going to get Sherry in that same night, then I'm sure he's willing to swap Terry because he could care less. So Al had an amazing night ahead of him had he been a lesser man. And I think that that episode, although it's a great fly-in-the-wall episode, it's an awesome situation to observe and kind of you'd like to be in, even if you got to resist at the end and get away without having your life ruined. It just seems like an, an insanely great experience and cool thing to talk about when you're older. Uh, Al shows that he is also a good person when you strip it all down. And yeah, we'd all love to have this opportunity, but in the end, I love my wife, man. And, you know, uh, I can't do this. And I think that side of us relates to Al. And we couldn't look at our wives and or girlfriends or whatever in the eye after doing such a thing. And I think he is that side of us at that moment. So I think that to me is like my favorite kind of situation Al's been in, how he handled it, how it all went down. So that's my favorite. So uh, Peg Bundy, Katie Seagal. Katie Seagal, guys, is an insanely famous person. She, uh, I should actually say she's even more successful than famous. She's famous, believe me. Uh, Married with Children is enough. Everybody knows Peg Bundy. But she is also uh, the Cyclops-looking girl on Futurama with the purple hair. She is other characters who I don't even know. When John Ritter, the guy from uh, Three's Company, Jack Tripper, when he died... The show he was doing actively when he died was called uh, something like Seven Reasons to Date My Teenage Daughter or something like that. She was his wife on that show. She was on another sitcom at that time, but he died. David Spade came in, replaced him, and I think it just didn't work. It wrapped up. Then she hits it big one last time with Sons of Anarchy which is probably the greatest modern television show in the last, like, 10 years. You know, there are some shows that compete, but nothing has the soul and the depth of Sons of Anarchy. You and the- For the record, this is Alex's opinion. Yeah. <laughs> uh, not, uh, I, I personally, if I'm going to pick the best show out of the last uh, couple of years, I'm saying Game of Thrones. Throwing I'm that saying out there. Breaking Bad. Okay. But but to be fair, Sons of Anarchy, I haven't ever finished it, but the first three seasons I absolutely loved. See? So it – oh, dude. Oh, dude. Season four is probably one of the best seasons ever. You have to watch that. Oh, my god. That's where that show hits its pinnacle. And then season five, it just gets dark and it gets darker and darker. You have to watch it. Completely <laughs> off subject, but I just realized that – Katie Seagal actually was on The Simpsons once. She's on Tales from the Crypt, too. Oh, that was a great episode. Yeah. 
one I just of my realized favorites. that because she does the voice of uh, of Lilo on Futurama, and they had a crossover. They episode. had a crossover. Yeah, that's the one episode she was on. That's right. I watched that one live. Um, yeah, she was on Tales from the Crypt. There was an episode. It's funny. It's this is amazing. Wow, these coincidences don't don't stop. The episode of Tales from the Crypt that Katie Segal was on was where a guy had a voice in his head. And that voice was Sam Kennison talking in his head. And she was on that episode. You know what's also weird? Uh, she's played people's mothers in episodes two. Um, didn't she play like Hyde's mother in that 70s show? I think that was her, wasn't it? Oh, wow. Like, I, I want to say it was her. And then she was in the, the one you said, Eight Simple Rules. She was in Brooklyn Nine-Nine as um, uh, Andy Samberg's character, as his mom, I think. She was in Lost as well, another huge show. Really? Yep. Yeah. It's weird. You watch these shows and you think, man, they're really good. No, guys. They're really good. These people are so good that people can't stop using them. You know what I mean? Like, they are great at what they do. And that's why they're so great here. They have such a range, and you only get a taste of it. But the taste you get is fantastic on Married with Children. She was also Duckman's mother, if you've ever seen the, the show <laughs> yep. Duckman. Okay, we get she it. Was. She's a mother. <laughs> and it's funny because she started Married with Children at 33 years old. So it ain't like she's exactly... It ain't like a porn star that could only do mother-daughter porn or whatever you call it. Like, she didn't have to be just a mom. I mean, then again, I, I guess so. At 33, I guess, what else are you going to do? But she She's very recognizable. Very recognizable. Yeah, she's world-renowned. So, uh, Jerry, what would you say is your favorite Peg Bundy moment of season one? It's, uh, it's uh, Peg in episode 12 defending her husband when the fat lady says you must be the wife and she goes and you must be why china is starving yep that <laughs> line in itself was hilarious but it just goes to show you that she'll go to bat for out she she won't just sit down and take it at the end of the day that's her husband and she's not gonna let uh just some random fat lady spew nonsense on out that's her job it's her job to give al a hard time and she's not gonna let anyone else do it it's uh almost like when a big brother saves a little brother and was like you know i'm the only one that can you know pick on him. give you crap yeah pick on you she does that for al and um i thought that was a really good moment that uh it's really tiny but it's always the small moments that represent a lot when you when they step up to the plate for you yeah well, it's funny you say that. I concur on the theme of why you think a standout moment is what it is with Peg because mine is have you driven a Ford lately when Al and Steve are rebuilding the Mustang? And as you remember, I pointed out that Peg was super cool in that episode, man. Like, all Marcy did was bring out all the negative aspects of them working on the car this, that, the other thing, no time for them, blah, 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 blah. All she did was say negative, negative, negative. And all Peg ever did was say, yeah, but you know what? 
You can't tell me you never liked the guy for his car. Or, you know, it is good to see them working together and bonding. You know, it is good. It is good. Like, she was nothing but supportive. And that shows you that she's a really cool chick. And so, like, little things like that show you that, yeah, she's a nagging, annoying, lazy bum who really contributes nothing and is the thorn in Al's, you know, side and everything. But, uh, in his paw. But the thing is, she's cool and now you see why Al's married to her. So like little episodes like that or moments like that, you see why he's married to her and that makes her cool. So Justin, what is your favorite Peg Bundy moment of episode? Well, it's funny you brought that up because that's kind of what I was leaning on, but I was even taking it a little bit more into that episode. Uh, have you driven a Ford lately where she kind of, um, she even kind of, uh, you know, gets Marcy to to have <laughs> have sex with Steve in the back of the car. Um, but I'm with you on the, you know, every once in a while she shows that she's a cool chick. Like, yeah, she's she's annoying and dumb at times. But like at the end of the day, she's kind of cool, honestly. Like she would be kind of a cool person to chill with. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, yes. I mean, her being lazy and contributing nothing wouldn't matter in our lives. We're not married to her. We would probably really like Peg, (laughs) you know? So that's awesome. Now, we have another standout actress on this show that we've mentioned a time or two, and her name happens to be Christina Applegate. She plays Kelly Bundy, a legendary character. She was or she is a very successful actress. She's not hurting for money. Some of her bigger roles are in Up All Night from 2011 to 2012, which shows you she's still current, still killing it. She was in Anchorman, Anchorman 2. I mean, you know, she's no slouch. She was in the TV show Friends. She was in Jesse. But the thing that stands out to me is an amazing movie from 1991 called Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. (laughs) I love that movie. Yeah. I mean, the dishes are done, man. (laughs) I mean, you can't get cooler than that. Kelly Bundy exemplified cool. You know, she started off in 1987 at an age that we can't really discuss, and that's all good and fine. But Kelly Bundy became legendary she became what is a cool teenage girl she defined cool that's the real cool that's not like uh you know kelly taylor 90210 cool you know this is the kind of cool that badasses can relate to girls who are just lost in life can relate to this is the real thing that is exemplified and don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. It doesn't get any better than that. So, guys, what is your standout episode for Kelly Bundy? Although, and we already ex- talked about this, the kids really do not get the front row at all. They are secondary. They are nothing, nothing compared to what they become on this show in season one. They're nothing. They are secondary. You know, it's usually Al and Peg on the couch and they eventually, you know, sometimes Steve and Marcy join them. But in the later episodes, all the whole family's on that couch all the time. It's a family thing at that point because they realize the gold that these two will bring, you know, cut, uh, cut and belly, Bud and Kelly. (laughs) 
So, uh, what, uh, Jerry, what is your favorite Kelly Bundy moments on season one? Um, you're right. There were not that many to choose from. <laughs> right. So I, the funny, I went with the funniest moment to me. And the funniest moment is in, uh, Al loses his cherry when she's explaining to her mom that she is a pro man stealer <laughs> and how easy it is to steal a, uh, man after a fight. Uh, it spells out what is ahead. You know, you don't even know. If you're just watching this, it's 1987, you have no idea what you're in for. But Jerry totally picked up on the idea that this will eventually spell Kelly's entire future on this show, and it never ends, and it never gets b- boring. I mean, it just doesn't. The, the, the whole idea of this just doesn't get old. And the one very interesting thing he mentioned was that she's not an idiot yet. You know, people can view that however they want. Kelly becoming an idiot is the best thing that could have happened to the show. There are times when we're getting to like season 9, 10, and 11 where you wonder, how could you be that stupid? But man, in its heyday, Kelly being dumb is the greatest character uh, development that Kelly could have gone through. And it's it's so interesting that they just didn't know to do that with her in the beginning. Justin, what did you, what stood out for you for season one of Kelly Bundy? Uh, it was definitely hard to choose because, like you guys said, the, the kids just take a back seat in this first season as far as, you know, uh, just screen time. But I would probably go with uh, – Something that I just thought was a, a little bit different for her character that we hadn't seen, and it's in the actual final episode of the season, which is Johnny Be Gone, and it's where she is not super popular, and she's, like, bummed out about it. And she's very vulnerable. Yeah, she didn't get invited to, uh, I believe it was a, a party or something, right? Mm-hmm. So that, that would probably be mine, just because it was something different. Yeah, yeah. She seemingly has no chinks in the armor. She's so now and she's so the opposite of dorky and the opposite of any kind of uh, character trait that is. It's very much like she says in the episodes, I spent 15 years creating this image and it's gone in a phone call. Like that's a good choice because it it shows what she does care about her image. She does care about her popularity that's something very big for her, and that's represented throughout all of season one. So that's a good representation of her for season one. Yeah, she's the popular kid. She's the uh, she has no issues. She has no social hangups or anything like that. You know, it's everything's going great for her. She's good looking. She's cool. She's relatable. You know, like we said, she's not so, you know, she's cool, but she's not so outrageous to the point where she's unrelatable even. Like, she's into heavy metal and rock and stuff, but she's not dying her hair black. She's not filling her face up with uh, earrings and tattoos and, you know, things like that. So she is a really great hybrid of everything that what we'd all like to be in, in a weird way if you're a teenage girl, which I am. So my favorite uh, standout moment for Kelly Bundy is uh, the house party. I know it's a pretty typical answer, but it's called Married Without Children, the episode where she convinces Steve and Marcy that, uh, to have a few friends over the house, and it turns into a party and things like that. 
It's just like, I think what I really took away from that is I was just so relieved. And, you know, because I know this show so well that I, it's killing me not to see these kids be highlighted. Because I'm like, oh God, they, they don't do that yet? <laughs> I I think I'm just so happy to see, like, to see them stretch their legs a little bit and be like, okay, well, can we show you what we have to offer to the show? I do realize it's about the parents and, and we're in the, you know, we're secondary, clearly, but... Could we have, like, some kind of standout episode, guys? That'd be cool. Uh, Alright, guys. So, Bud Bundy. David Faustino. Uh, that's his real name. Born March 3rd, 1974. He is known for things like The Legend of Korra, 2012 to 2014. So, he's still current. The Boston Strangler, 2008 movie. And there's a movie he's in with uh, a scream queen, Daniel Harris, who was in the Halloween movies. It's called Killer Bud. I actually own that movie. <laughs> he was in that. He is, he's still working, guys. He was in Sharknado 4. You know, he's doing that thing. He's in the Bones TV series right now uh, oh. in an episode called The Final Chapter. He was even in uh, an episode of Modern Family. He played uh, Tater in 2013, and we all know the Modern Family is the TV show, and we, it's weird we didn't mention it, the TV show that Al Bundy is insanely famous for right now. Like, Al Bundy has millions of dollars, guys, and it's because he's still relevant today in the Modern Family with probably one of the hottest chicks on the planet. Uh, what's that chick's name? Uh, Sophia Viagra? uh yeah (laughs) though though i'll tell you one thing um the uh chick who plays the nerdy girl um if you go look at her instagram okay she is the modern day like version of kelly because jesus really yes i i just Literally, go to IMDb, okay. find her, and then go look her up. It's ridiculous. Okay. Uh, so, Bud Bundy, again, guys, took a backseat for season one. But if you had to pick, Justin, what would you say is the episode that really, uh, you know, stood out for Bud Bundy here in season one? All right, so Bud is is one of my favorite characters on the show, but he's just he doesn't have many like main you know starring moments in, in this first season, and uh, th- so he definitely has a lot of uh, quick witted like like cons and stuff like that. Um, it was hard to pick, honestly. Like it, it's one that I guess I I could go with a couple of them. I'll probably go with uh, just one moment that I thought was pretty cool in, in somewhat of a more serious episode. It was a nice little joke. Um, when they go to give Peg the Mother's Day gifts, <laughs> he gives the diary of Kelly <laughs> as the gift, which I thought was just classic. Yeah. He always has stuff like that. <laughs> but... It's almost like they didn't know what to do with Bud when the show started. They sort of gave him a very generic 
role. You know, the younger brother who is just annoying to his older sister. You know, he does all the annoying things, the annoying tropes that a younger brother would do, but it's all edgy and that's why it works. You know, uh, you have, if you have any other show, like, let's just, I, I hate to always do this, but I don't really know the Cosby show too much. And I, I don't even know if there's a, a young boy on it or whatever, but so I'll just go to Roseanne again. Now, DJ, if he were to do anything that's annoying to Darlene or the blonde girl, I don't think any of them would be nearly as edgy or anything like that as anything that goes on on this show. So the fact that they always push the envelope and always do kind of outrageous stuff, showing stuff, you know, the way he dangles stuff bras over his stairs and Kelly's tissues fall out in front of company, by the way. Give the diary, you know, uh, be on the inside of the boyfriends getting snuck out of the house and he's making money from it. Things like that. That's all just cool and it will never stop being cool. So although he has a, they wrote a generic kind of core to his character, I think it works. He eventually becomes, they, like they exploit everything they can out of the younger brother role possible and then it goes on. He actually becomes his own person. It's almost as if in season one, all he is is a younger brother to Kelly. That's almost his identity. And then as we go on on this show, he becomes his own. He develops his own identity. And it, him being Kelly's brother is sort of irrelevant. It comes into play here and there, but it's more about who he is as a person. And that is when we all fall in love with Bud Bundy. So, Jerry, what would you say is your standout episode in season one? I, I also had a hard time picking it because Bud represents um, not much in season one. He's used for a lot of one-liners and he's used to kind of comp like play off of his sister. But his, his sister kind of gets more time. He pretty much is just there constantly going, how can I get my sister in trouble? So because of that, I decided to go to the very first episode, his very first line, die, commie bimbo, because that kicks off how he feels about his sister and what he's going to do to his sister that entire season. <laughs> That's true. It's not a glorious thing he did, but let's be honest, did he have anything that glorious in season one? Eh. Okay, now, we only have two more people, Steve and Marcy. Let's start off with Steve. No, you know what? Uh, when they described that couple, they started off with Marcy because Marcy is the dominant figure there. So we will, uh, you know, we don't want to break precedent here. So Amanda Beers is the person who plays Marcy Rhodes. Um she eventually went on to direct episodes. She was a producer of the show. I mean, she loves married with children. That is everything to her. You know, she put all her time and energy into it. She was even involved with the TV show All My Children. She had a great role in the movie. It's a horror movie, Fright Night. She was Amy Peterson in that movie. Um you know, Mary with Children was her big heyday, though. And, you know, she she did things here and there, you know, uh, 
didn't really act all that much between 2000 and actually between 97 and 2017. She really has only done a couple roles here and there. So she's more on the behind the scenes or maybe she just made so much money that it just doesn't matter to her. I don't know, but she's not really doing the, uh, the whole Hollywood thing all that much. But uh, that's her choice, and that's cool. So, guys, what was your standout episode for Marcy, Jerry? What would you say really stood – what episode stood out for you with her character? I I chose uh, A Nightmare on Owl Street as her thing because it was a nice uh, versus episode. It was her pride as a woman and her pride of her morality – having to to either lie or admit defeat to a man. It was a no-win situation for her, no matter what she did. And she at the end of it, she, you know, took her pride as a woman and just admitted she was wrong to clear her conscience. And uh, her admitting she was wrong to Al was great. And it was so funny that she did this highbrow admission of defeat just for outer reply, so you didn't want me? <laughs> like, I just, I thought it was great. I think in that episode, she really, really stands out. You didn't want me? God, even someone I'm totally unattracted to, I still want you to want me because I'm a guy and you're a girl and I just want you to want me. So that's all he was concerned with. And that's just funny in itself. And it's so true to life. They really wrote that well. So, Justin, what would you say? What stood out for you with Marcy? I mean, it's it's really hard not to go with A Nightmare on Elm Street, but I did have like a little bit of a backup in case somebody picked that one. Um, I think that one of her best moments is um, when she actually does have the sex in the backseat of the car. <laughs> oh, look, at, look, Buck's going crazy over there. <laughs> what, they do doggy style or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that was cool. You know, she's against it. She's apprehensive. She hates the whole idea of these two working on the car. She hates the car itself. Hated the car. But, man, all it took was Peg to get it in her head about doing it in the backseat with a guy in the car and, uh... <sighs> Man, Marcy is easy to convince, guys. That's a good sign. I am going to say that my standout moment with Marcy is married without children because that is where she really made me laugh out loud for the first time when she tries to do the parenting role because, you know, Steve and Marcy, although married, have no children, so they, they do have some brains. And they uh, go ahead and babysit the Bundy's kids for the weekend. And she says, uh, okay, remember how the book parenting, you know, uh, for, oh God, I wish I remembered. Oh, they're bigger than you or no, you're bigger than them. Was that the name of the parenting book? I think so. Yeah. Uh, It said uh, that they're not. You're not babysitting them. They're not. You're not watching them. Wherever they're your best friends. So Steve, do you want to tell our best friends what we have in store for them? Like for some reason, that is the corniest, funniest thing, and her delivery is just unbeatable. It's it's perfect. That was my favorite, and just the whole thing itself, and her terrible judgment, and thinking that uh, having a 
a, a house party that seemingly destroys her house is a great idea because that'll convince Alan Pegg to never ask them to babysit again. Like the logic is so ridiculous and stupid and funny that that stood out for me. But I have a major standout episode in the next season. So even though, you know, it's funny, we can't get to great ones here because, you know, this the season one is very strange that way, guys. There will be, you know, we seem to be grasping for standout moments for a lot of these characters. But as the show goes on, it is going to be like, oh, of course it's this. Oh, of course it's that. Because they're really going to get, everyone's going to get breathing room. Everyone's going to stretch their legs. Everyone's going to really show you what they have to offer this show. And that's great. And we're going to end this whole thing off with Steve. Steve is played by an actor named David Garrison. Uh, He is known for Op Center, It's Your Move, and A Day with Conrad Green. The sad thing about Steve is that he really was great as Steve Rhodes. He really, really was. He was seemingly the perfect person to have. I mean, I don't think anybody could have been Steve besides him, David Garrison. He just really got it. He really got his character. Whatever grasp he had on his character didn't change at all. He never changed in season two, three, or four. He either got it right away, which no one else did, or his character was just written the same for all four seasons. I don't know. His fate, unfortunately, is that he leaves after season four. So he left Married with Children to do live stage performance, which is crazy to me. I don't know what he was thinking, but the sadder thing on top of that is that it was the perfect move for the show because by the time we get to the fifth season, unfortunately, we've moved on from Steve's type of character. You know, the show just had a new edge to it, a new 90s feel to it, and Steve was the perfect guy from 87 to 90. He really was. But as we get into the the 90s for real, Jefferson was the perfect fit. Uh, It took a year, I think, or so to get him or whatever, but he was the perfect fit. So what would you guys say is your standout Steve episode, Justin? Like, what would you think? What stood out out for you? (laughs) I got to go with him. You've driven a Ford lately. It's it's the first time that I'm like, yo, Steve can be cool as hell. He's like sticking it to Marcy. He's, you know, rolling with Al. They're becoming buddies, even though if Al doesn't want to admit it or not, they clearly are bonding over this car. And I'm just like, okay, this is what makes this character cool is that he can be kind of, you know, a baby and, uh, you know, let his wife take the lead a lot of times. But he has this awesome manliness underneath all that that we're cheering for it to come out. Right. And when it does, we love it. Yes, absolutely. And Jerry gets vindicated. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So now this is the biggest question. Justin clearly is like the Luke Ventura of our show. Jerry is the Steve Rhodes. And we all know Luke Ventura's standout episode is Al loses his cherry. And uh, Jerry is the Steve Rhodes. So what he says is big. I, I, I don't think I 
Am I anybody's character? I don't, I'm not even sure. You're a weird mixture of Al and Bud. Yeah, <laughs> but but Bud is probably similar to Al when he becomes a you know Al's age. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I think I I was Bud and I grew to be Al. So uh, yeah, it is. You're right. I'm a I'm a strange hybrid, and I think that will help us eventually because um, I get to have a really um, diverse point of view because I get to see through the eyes of Bud, which I've done my whole life until I eventually became Al's, you know, age, I guess, or whatever. Like I eventually began as I became an adult and got into adult relationships and had jobs and things like that and got into adult situations is when I, you know, things really kind of like turned the corner for me and I sort of, yeah, man, like, wow, I'm I'm like Al Bundy. I really am. And it, so it's, yeah, I guess I'm a hybrid of both those people. So since you and Justin are so focused on, you have like one focus, you picking Steve's standout episode is, is very interesting to me because you're so invested. So what would you say is Steve's like shining moments of season one? You're going to think I'm really weird, but hear me out on it. It is the same as Marcy's episode, A Nightmare on Owl Street, because much like what Justin said, where we get to see a bit of his manliness, he gets manly enough that he actually stands up to Al and bangs on Al's door. And when Al asks who it is, he says it's Stephen Bartholomew Rhodes. And he is horny, and he wants to know what you're gonna do about it, Al. Oh man, don't I? It, it, that is so cringe. Every time we've said it on the show, I just cringe. <laughs> Al, I'm horny. What are you gonna do about it? Uh, but but more of my moment for him is more of when he says his full name <laughs> to Al. Like like he's standing up to Al. He is he is bringing. He needs to get laid. That's his breaking point, and he is bringing the gun to Al. <laughs> Why, where do you think that could have led? When he said, Al, I'm horny, what are you going to do about it? Where, what did Steve think the reply would be? Um, I think he was trying to, to, to put Al off balance. You can't come at Al like a. He can't come at Al like he normally comes at Al. He's got. You can't come at anybody like that though. <laughs> yeah, who could you come at like that? I would come at someone like that. No. I'm gonna put you off your heels, <laughs> mentally. I'm gonna throw you off your game. You gotta attack mentally. It's the art of war. You hit them where they don't expect it, and put them mentally off balance. It's like you want to win a fight against a dude. Get naked and try to fight him. He ain't gonna fight you. <laughs> You got you got to go to extremes. This is this is life and death. This is sex or not. You got to get out there, especially if you're you're married, if it's a long term relationship. You can't let that that it's burn out. Much. You got you got to get in there. Hey, are you sure you want us to air this? You air you air this all day. I stand beside Steve and what he says. I will come and knock on your door, say my whole real name, and then look you dead in the eyes. What is your whole real name, by the way? Yeah, what is it? You might as well say it at this point. My first name, my, you know, my last say name. Say it Harry. probably like freaking Steve did already. Okay, right. Who is it? Jerry Michael Herring. 
That's your first name, Jerry Michael? That, yeah, my first name is Jerry Michael. It's Why ain't we calling you Jerry Michael then? Yeah, but that's a lot in your mouth. Do you really want that much of me in your mouth? <laughs> well, it's more than we get if we did anything else. Because, Justin, I'm horny. I don't want to know what you got to do about Stop. it. Stop. All right, yeah. We got to get him out off the mic. Somebody cut his mic off. All right. So that's his standout episode, the Marzi episode, oddly enough, guys. So mine is I'm going to go ahead and do the cop out with Jerry, uh, Justin, and just say it's <laughs> heavy driven a Ford lately. Look. Let's face it, guys. We all know that Steve's episode. Come on. It's the first time that he shows us he is. You remember, he even said, I think, on that episode, I was a guy before I met you to Marcy, <laughs> you know. And I think that that episode showed us that Steve is cool beneath it all. There is something about him that clicks with us. And, uh, you know, beneath all the nerdiness, beneath him cowering to his wife and always having to please her and being the yes ma'am and all that kind of stuff, Steve does have a cool side and we could hang with him, man. You know, we could rebuild a car with him. We could have a couple beers. We could watch a football game. Like, I feel like Steve, oh, we could watch midget wrestling because, you know, we have to see how late they stay up. And uh, we can watch Patsy, Portrait of a Stewardess in Training with him. So uh, if you're ever in the mood for a good time and you're horny and you want to do something about it, watch Patsy, Portrait of a Stewardess in Training. Y'all both picked the same episode. Y- y'all, don't, y'all aren't even true fans of Steve. Y'all only like him when he's all manly and he's going to eat a steak. Well, what would you like us to pick? The poker game where he shows what a cowering, sniveling uh, worm he is to go ahead and go to your wife? to make you speaking of that what alex what are your two worst episodes it's hard to say guys you know we love this show so much but not every show is a winner on every season it just doesn't happen uh we picked our favorite three episodes but we only picked our least favorite two because we don't want to go too far with this but oddly enough although i'm pointing that out I actually have one, and then I have a tie for another one. So I did pick three. You cheater. You can't even follow the rules. That's why you need more Steve in your life. (laughs) Hey, it's only cheating if you get caught. That's an Al Bundy quote. (laughs) That's, That's very true. Yeah. So lie, lie, and lie away. Uh, one of my, I, I actually don't have these in any particular order because I don't like to focus on negativity. So I didn't really put them in order. Uh, but my episodes are this. Uh, the one that's not tied for one of them is Where's the Boss? Uh, we already talked about this. I gave it a 3.5. That I remember. But in the scheme of season one, yeah, Al quitting his job because he didn't meet his boss is... I don't know. It just leaves me high and dry. I'm just like, well, okay. And, you know, like I said, it was an enjoyable time. Um, we all said that you know the destination is not as fun as the journey a lot of times, and that is absolutely true here. I mean, I don't care about the res- the result. And here's the thing: it had a really great payoff ending. You know, the whole twist 
that Al's friend posed as the boss, so we never met him and all that. And we we're like, oh my god, and here we are thinking Al got his way, but he's still a loser, and now he's just losing money. So that really was a great ending to something that we didn't care about. So if you could do that to us, that's really cool. So look at that. Even one of my favorite, uh, even one of my least favorite episodes have a really positive note about it. JP, did you happen to choose this episode also? Yeah, so I'll just briefly comment on it as well. I won't give it credit for that twist because it didn't make sense because Al could have just done that from the very beginning. Well, maybe he he maybe he got to the thirteenth hour here and he's like, "Oh my god, I, well, I have to quit my job, I guess, because the guy didn't show up." Uh, yeah, I gotta go to work though, so let me figure something out to get back in this place. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Um, yeah, I just I don't know that episode just just seemed a little like thin in right in the writing. There were some funny jokes though, so I will give that. Right. Well, Jerry, do you have that on there? No. I don't. I, th- I think the jokes in that episode make it worth rewatching. And I did mine based off uh, if I had to skip two episodes this season, what two episodes would I skip? Hmm. And that is not one of them. I would watch that again. Okay. Well, uh, my other one, it's a tie between Peggy Sue Got Work and Johnny Be Gone. I picked this because. Well, let's just start with in order. Peggy Sue Got Work was one of my not-so-favorite episodes because, you know, it has the great joke with the campfire burgers, which are uh, the marshmallow puffs that Buck was throwing up all over the lawn. You know, we all, I already said I like that joke and all that kind of stuff and some of the other jokes that went down. But like Justin said, he thinks those jokes are always going to be there regardless, whether it's a good episode or not. He don't think that we're going to go 22 minutes without a one-liner, you know. So that seems like it'll always be there. But um, I don't know. It's just something I don't need to see again. I might uh, I might just say right now I might not ever watch it again the rest of my life, you know. I mean there are so – there's 262 episodes in, in this thing. I don't think – I don't think I have to rewatch that again. I think I'm done. Well, you know, we explored it enough on this show, and I don't think I have to see it again. So I, I, I will say I picked, I picked that one also. Okay. Because it does the one thing I hate the most: failed potential. Mm-hmm. You could have done something great, you didn't do it, and that mm-hmm. makes me. All the movies that I highly dislike are usually because of that. There's great potential, and they just completely miss the mark. Hmm. Yeah, I feel you on that, and I think that there were so many opportunities to make the work life fun and interesting to watch for Peg, but they kind of just wasted it with her just standing there. Yeah. I mean, and and like talking to a manager about how bald he is and a picture they take and, oh, and reset the clocks, which was the only probably good thing that he had to offer, telling her to <laughs> make sure they all go back to daylight savings time. And, and and an odd fact, guys, uh, I, I don't know if this is synchronicity or what, but when he did that, when our show aired of this episode of telling her to reset the clocks for daylight savings, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that was the same week we do that in real life. Damn. Yeah. Uh, check again, guys. Go to our um, shows and look at the release date of that show 
Peggy Sue got work and see if that's it's got to be within a week or two. I know that for a fact. So how weird is that? 30 years later, that landed on the same exact time we do that in real life. Uh, so my the one I tied it for is the one we just reviewed, Johnny Be Gone. How? That's what I'm saying, dude. Okay, am I, am I remembering this wrong? Because when I thought about it in my head, I'm, I'm picturing him hassling with Kelly, calling for new ticket spots and lines, and then building a little toy car. And I'm like, well, what is that? I yeah, mean, the one with no jaw and, oh, those parts are for the Koreans. Oh, wow. Like, there is and something so, about French. <laughs> yeah, it's something about the French. And, like, there is so many good jokes in there. The I, I just don't understand, like... Wasn't there more, like a bombing of Japan joke in there? There was, a, yeah. There's a bombing. More people we should have killed. There's. Oh, we talked about uh, Kelly uh, bringing up her becoming a nerd thing. Mm-hmm. It happens in this episode. She makes the great joke towards Marcy. Marcy, have you read any good books lately? Well, I actually have. Good. Kill me with them. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, you're Alex. Okay, maybe I'll take it back. Take yeah, that you back. didn't even have to even... throw that one in there, man. You already had to. <laughs> I know. <laughs> everyone will will like keep this in the episode. I want everyone to know the shame hey. of Alex yeah, for is... not for even thinking about putting this episode on there. Yeah, am I really that off? Am I remembering it that wrong? You were so off. And that's the late last episode most of us watched, and you said that wow. Huh. All right, well, those are my two. So, uh, who exposed one already? I think Jerry. Um, I know Justin said one of his. Did you say your other one, Justin? Yeah, both those were both of mine. Uh, oh, okay. Sue got work, and where's the boss? Right. So I'm with y'all on Peggy Sue got work. I chose that also. The other one I decided was the next one that I probably will never watch again. There, there is a one really good joke in it. But I can live without that joke, and that's synergy. <gasps> the the I love the PBS jokes. What? But the ending, like I went back and I was thinking about that ending, and him going on his long speech about the baseball glove is not that funny. It's not good at all. It's not good, and it, and even though, like, I, I just feel like it has the. Even the jokes that have a premise that don't work, like the boss episode, has so many funny jokes, makes up for it completely. This one, I, I have a hard time thinking of any other good jokes except for the ones involving a stewardess. Wow. In training. I That never occurred to me. I, I don't know. Um, I have watched that episode like 20 times. Now that, you know, you're a casual fan you probably don't really remember many episodes, right? What do you remember? 14 episodes total probably in your life? Not including season one, uh, probably 20 episodes. Okay, so can you honestly take out the the stewardess jokes? Name me another good joke in that episode. (sighs) Man, uh, I don't know. I mean, it's just like... uh, I mean, the kale joke? Yeah, uh, wow, it's so funny. That's what I was going to say. Do you want more kale? Did I ask for more kale? Yeah, still not that great. No, you're right. When you ask me to, like, make, you know, send you rolling on the floor laughing with something, I I, I can't do it. 
But but everyone's going to have different opinions. And we knew that me as a Steve is going to come with something y'all weren't expecting. That you weren't going to think, you weren't going to like be like, yeah, I can't agree with you there. I, I'm a Steve. I'm going to bring something wildly different to you. And that's Thinergy. I just, I just don't dig Thinergy. I can skip it. The two even like kind of romantic parts, which you know I'm a big fan of the romantic parts of this series um, because of how spaced out they are. Wait, what about when she threw the sock over the wall? Like nothing? That was a mess up. That's not intentional. <laughs> Don't try to make me fall in love with this episode because <sighs> of a sock. <laughs> I see your plans. The sock episode is way later on in season five. With the aliens? Yeah, that is the sock episode. <laughs> this synergy will never be the sock episode. Dude, I'm going to say I disagree with you. I really have fond memories of Thinergy, and just to spite you, I will continue to watch it in my life. Okay, okay. Justin, what is your opinions on this? After hearing us talk, what, what do you think? I'm leaning a little more towards Jerry than Alex. Like, I, Thinergy doesn't stand out a whole bunch in, in my memory. Guys, I'm on a Thinergy diet. How can you say that? <laughs> <laughs> I went from 184 pounds to 151 on Thinergy. And you're going to sit here and bash it? Thinness and energy. Yeah, because you know what? The real Al would only have done Thinergy to get off of Thinergy. Yeah. You did Thinergy for success. How dare you? Maybe it's the butt in me. Yeah. Trying to get chicks. Let's just, we'll go ahead and we'll go ahead and get into our top three episodes. Starting, I'll, mine are in order. I actually put mine... One to three. So my third choice is episode eight, the poker game, because it has some of the best one-liners. It I said earlier how I liked how Al won in that. And though it does show my boy, Steve, in a bad light, you have to have the bad to know the good. I got I will probably say if someone was like, yo, choose an episode to watch, poker game is gonna be one of them. If someone was like, hey, show me an episode of Married with Children. The poker game might be the first episode I would show them. You want to hear a fun fact, behind-the-scenes fact? It's funny you say that because my sister Jen, and I'm sure many of you noticed, no, she's not on this episode, guys, and we promoted her in, uh, I believe, the last episode. But we did get uh, Buck. You've heard Buck a couple times. I mean, is that not a good replacement? I'm just saying. That's that's exactly where I was going with this. You guys got Buck, so you cannot really complain. Uh, we miss you, Jen. Sorry you couldn't make it. I uh, am excited to hear Justin's third favorite Married with Children episode of season one. All right, so we are counting down. From three to one, yeah. Okay, so uh, this would probably surprise Alex. <laughs> Mm-mm. Uh, it is actually Johnny Be Gone. <laughs> yes. How do you come to this conclusion? Well, I just I just love the scenario in which they were placed. There's this this restaurant which they we only hear about. Come on, the Spud Chug, Alex. Come on, <laughs> come on, Alex. You were all about the Spud Chug. Chug, yeah. Spud. You, Chug, Spud. Spud Chug posted a picture today. I know today. <laughs> So obviously it's memorable, you know, mm-hmm. and I just think that although it's not the best final episode for a season like a finale, it, it has like a nice touching moment by the end of it. And you realize that like, you know, th- this is permanent, like this is here to stay like these two are solid and 
and there's just a lot of jokes and and it, I could I could feel the anxiety and the frustration of trying to get to this place. Uh, it just came across as, as very funny and just like real to life in, in situations that I think we've all kind of had to deal with where we're, everything's just going wrong and you're just trying to get to this thing that you wanted to do. It's a cool episode. Wow. It's, and it's funny because as I watched it to review, I was in a rush to get on this show. So I, I remember. Felt, yeah. So I felt that exact same uh, kind of um, anxiety that uh al felt when uh it was happening maybe that's why you don't appreciate it you didn't give it the time of day that it deserves uh no i guess i i maybe that yeah maybe that's the issue you know maybe i too just wanted to get out of there so i could not take that in for what it was so you know what i will not cut that out of the show i will uh we're gonna come to my whole revelation will be on this show it's it's gonna be very fun Good. Yeah. But Alex, now I got to know if 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 that can't make your top 3, what makes your top 3? What's what's number 3? Oh, I think it'll please you very much, Stevo. It is Have you driven a Ford lately? I said I owned a con- red convertible Mustang as well. I mean, it's there's just something about Al and Steve bonding in the way they did. And like Jerry said, whether Al will admit it or not, I think Al really, uh, it meant something to him too. And it was just a moment between guys and friends that it just, it just came off very well for the the whole episode. And it's just amazing. You don't know whether to laugh or cry by the time you get to the end of this episode. You know, they do all that. They go through all this, the whole thing, the sacrifices, the Dr. Mustang, the phone calls, the going to get the ashtray, going to get the horse. And what happens? They go out and the car gets impounded and they're going to court because <laughs> it's stolen. You know, it's just like, man, you, you just come away with so many mixed feelings by the time that's done. And it's just, it was so great to see Steve... It's the bipolar opposite episode of Jerry's favorite, third favorite one, which is uh, the poker game. Like, seeing Steve in his worst light, I I like seeing him in his best light, you know? So, that is my third favorite episode of season one. So, you, you, I chose the lowest of Steve. You chose what you think is the highest of Steve, but I actually disagree with you. I think the highest of Steve him without Al and uh, my number two choice is married without children. He, I said in the episode about how the episode in the Mustang, he was good. But in this episode, I said he was losing father points, but gaining Jerry points. And he is, he'll lose them the next episode, but still he gained Jerry points and married without children is not only a classic episode on all fronts, Steve shines in this episode really like just has some of the funniest lines. And plus I just like saying specter vision just as much time as I can say, I tried to say specter vision like eight times in the show just cause I wanted to say it more often. <laughs> so that's your pick, huh? Married without children. I, I, I have no problem with that. I think that was a really great episode. I have, that's fine. What do you think, Justin? Uh, 
Personally, I it's actually one of my least favorite episodes. <gasps> wow. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I still guy. liked it. I still liked it. I just, I don't know. It just didn't, it just didn't do much for me. Really? That whole house party and the weird teenagers and... Yeah, if you guys remember when we reviewed it, like, I couldn't even remember anything about it, you know? It could have just, just been a bad day for me to watch it, you know, or whatever, but it was just, I don't know. It didn't seem that memorable. Wow. Okay, so, okay, if it wasn't memorable, I, I gotta know what your number two is. My number two? Your number two. What's your number My two? My number two is the poker game. Wow, both of you guys love that, huh? What? Yeah, I, I love that. the poker game. It, it's awesome, you know, and it, it's where we see Steve at his like most pathetic. And I don't like seeing Steve pathetic, but at the same time, I just liked the way that the episode played out. Like, you know, by the end of it, it's just like Al completely wins. Like everything's cool. He like tricked Peg and tricked you. Know, <laughs> you know, like Steve's left hanging, and he gets what he deserves. You know, for 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 being like that. You don't. T- he's all talking a big game, and and you know, then he loses everything, and then he's like takes the like most babyfied way out of it possible by begging for his money back. I, I just I love the setup. I thought the writing was decent, and um, the jokes were on point. I. Did not expect anyone to have the poker game on here but me. I am so surprised right now. Yeah. Yeah, I am. Uh, I, uh... Oh, wait, did I ever give you the fun fact? Oh, I didn't. Wow, it's so great that that, <laughs> that brought this back. Okay, great. Uh, here's the weird thing about you guys picking that as your favorite episode. Jen, the real-life Kelly Bundy, my sister... She, I was talking to her about coming on this show, the wrap up show. So I mentioned, so, uh, you know, I don't pressure anybody to listen to this show, even if they're a big fan or whatever of married children. I don't act like they have to listen to our show just because they like married children. Not even if it's my sister who's been insanely supportive of this show, not even her. So I, I said simply, so, have you listened to all the episodes? Like, would you know all the references we might be making and this and that, the other thing? She goes, well, and at the time I asked her this is when um, I think the poker, no, the, the the show after the poker game show was released. And she said, well, I started the poker show, but I didn't make it all the way through that episode of you guys because I really don't like that episode. Or something. So I didn't want to. Something about I like she didn't even want to hear about it. I guess. <laughs> so even though it's us and we're bringing our own angle to it or whatever, it, it was such a a non interesting episode to her that she just didn't even want to hear about it. So it's weird that you guys picked it as your favorite, at least in top three. That's yeah, that's crazy. Weird is that right? She wouldn't even listen to our show because of her interest in that episode. And you guys picked it as your top three. She's going to be so pissed when she hears this. That's, that's just so awesome. So, okay, Alex, we got, we got, what's your number two? Yeah, number two, guys. I'm sorry, man. The pilot episode kicks ass. I am sorry. If you don't realize that, you know, most first episodes of anything are really not good roseanne the monsters saved by the bell you know there's a million sitcoms i that those are just ones i'm familiar with even the twilight zone like i 
I could really put thought into this. The Simpsons was really good because it was the Christmas episode. Uh, like, I can go through a, a lot of them, and I'm just going to tell you that most of them, you know, Three's Company, you know, we can go through a lot. They're not really that good, the first episode. They're always, like, kind of odd and all over the place. Different kids are cast for the different parts. It's just really odd. They, you know, they're trying to establish what they're going for and this and that. But, man... The Married with Children first episode is almost like lived in already, man. By the time these people are interacting with each other, you really feel the truth of the episode. The writing is nonstop great. I mean, starting off with Al saying, is there any reason to put the cactus where my alarm clock used to be? Like, right there, you're just like, <laughs> just like a laugh out loud. Like, you instantly laugh. Uh, you know, die commie bimbo, just like Jerry said, you got that. Kelly spoke the first words of the first show. Luke is in it. Luke kills in that episode. You know, it, the whole interaction, the most awkward interaction you could possibly get meeting people at their house for the first time with the way Al and Peg speak to each other in front of Steve and Marcy. And then Steve instantly becomes an, an ass to Marcy and says, oh, yeah, is she going to teach you to bury me like she buried her last three husbands? Like, oh, my God. Like, t- <laughs> I agree with you. Um, It actually almost made my top five or my top three. It be, and, and I even said on episode one, I will come back after we're done with this show, with with the entire show. When we finish that last season. I will go back and watch that pilot episode and I will see the seeds being planted for this entire show in that episode. Even though things change a lot, you can still see where they plan to go. There is still small, slight things that are there. And I said when we did the thing, when we did that first review, this world already looks lived in. Everything looks like it's been there for years. This show had already been running. So, I mean, that's a great choice, honestly. Oh, before before we we finish this out with with our top ones, I've got two emails to read from from listeners. Cool. So these are letters from listeners? Yes. And this first one actually came in early on. This is from February 23rd. And we started the show on the first Friday of January. Yeah. This is from Fabian. Hey guys, I just wanted to tell you all that I am really digging the podcast. A couple of weeks ago, I was sulking around horophilia, looking for something to listen to when I noticed the Married with Children podcast on the podcast index. At first, I was like, that can't be what I think it is, can it? Spoiler alert, it was. The idea behind the show is genius, and I love how you three dissect each episode, noticing little details that casual observers would miss. Facial expressions, coffee joke callbacks, and the overall look of Kelly, edging her just enough to reflect her personality, but not alienating casual viewers, and how all those things together add up to make for great television. Please keep it up. You guys rock harder than a surprise visit by Rocky Mountains on a cup night at the Jiggly Room. (laughs) Also, I cannot wait until you get to season three, episode 22. Here's looking at you, kid which is my all-time favorite episode ever. So until next time, Al, Jerry, Justin, may I just say, 
Whoa, Bundy, your loyal listener, Fabian. Wow. Uh, thank you, bro. And I have bad news for you. You will have to wait because that's a long way off. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like it's yeah. like it's like uh, forty six weeks away or something. I don't know. But uh, yeah, thank you, man. Uh, so glad. And once again, let's all thank Jason Lloyd for letting us put this non horror podcast on his horror podcast network, Horrorphilia. You know that's where we are. Uh, it's because uh, Justin and I have horror podcasts on his network. I am the uh, guy, the showrunner for the Skeleton Crew. Justin, better known as JP, is the showrunner of. You have a you have a couple because you have sub uh, ones. So go ahead and just list them all. Yeah, uh, twenty two shots of moods and horror. That's what I'm most known for. And then I have Netflix and Chill, which is uh, streaming based. That's kind of new. I started that around when we started this. And then I have another side project called the Vestron Video Horror Podcast, which I review Vestron titles. So yeah. So that's how we got on, and Jerry, unfortunately, uh, is not on the network, but he does a very cool show called Kill the Cast. That's a horror podcast as well. So guys, check that out. If you like the three of us and you like horror, uh, I suggest you definitely listen to those shows because we have been at it for a while, and uh, it's really fun, and we work with great people. We have one more email. All right. Uh, This is Gorelord84. Which I want to say this is Don C. from the Facebook group, if I remember correctly. Um, if I'm wrong, well, then I'm a bad person. Uh, you're probably wrong then. He, and he's all, if, if I am right, he's also the one that did not like the poker game. Okay. Um, okay, so season one was quite a lot more fun than I originally remembered. As I had long held the belief that the show hit its stride in the second and third seasons, which are the best ones, and season one was pretty lackluster. Having gone back and watched them for the podcast and catching the odd rerun on TV to hold me over, as a whole, it's jumped significantly more in my overall season ratings, which is a nice surprise. There's a lot more character than I remembered, and the shows are a lot funnier than I expected. Giving this plenty of solid to above average episodes and even touching up on classics in the series, while it doesn't reach the highs of two and three, which are some of the best TV ever made. It's a lot of fun and still surprisingly watchable ever if you're more familiar with the later later episodes. It's just making me more anxious to see where the podcast is going when it gets to cover the true classics that a, and that's a high compliment for a TV show and a high compliment for a podcast. Thank you very much. Hmm. I'm with him. Uh, not in his rating for the poker game. Uh, I'm with him with when the idea first dawned on me to, you know, I think this show deserves its podcast and first ever of its kind. Let's just restate on this first uh, wrap up show that this is the first Married with Children podcast in history of Earth. I mean, unless Google's lying to us and iTunes is lying to us, uh, there is no such thing as a Married with Children podcast, guys. Yeah, people people have covered episodes here and there, right? But no one has like tackled the entire thing like we're trying to do. Um, at best, I found a few people that covered an episode here or there when it fit into whatever they were doing. 
Um, or just an episode where they talk about married and with children in general, but the whole podcast is not dedicated to it. There's no other chronological exploration. Yeah. And, um, cause we, um, there is an episode with kill the cast where we have Alex on and we actually talk about how married with children kind of came together. Um, and what we talk about, like we looked into it, no one was doing it. And I, on kill the cast for Christmas, we did Halloween episodes one of them was Married with Children, which is how I got the role on this podcast. Right. That's how he won, that's how he won his role here. How did I win mine? Uh, you were the only guy who replied to us. <laughs> <laughs> we put a call out. You were the only one who replied. You were the only one that was like, this seems like a good idea. Everyone else was like, who's on there? Jerry? Oh. The odd part is he was answering a different question, and I said, oh, so you don't want to be on? Well, could you be on anyway? And he said, okay. <laughs> that's, that's the odd part. Uh, yeah, so that's really an honor, uh, hopefully to you too as well. It's uh, quite the honor for me that uh, I'm on the only Married Children podcast in history. Yeah, I think it's amazing. Yeah, it's really weird, like. Who would have thought we'd ever start something no one else Well, surely done. not me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't even know why you ended up on this. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's, that's really strange. No Ma'am will be right back. Be sure to join their Facebook group page for all the podcast news and updates. Just type in www.facebook.com slash groups slash married with children podcast. Be sure to subscribe to them on iTunes and please leave a review telling them what you think of the show. To subscribe to their YouTube channel, just go to Channels and search up Married with Children Podcast. You can email them at marriedwchildrenpodcast at gmail.com. Let's get into our number ones. Yeah. Who, who wants to go first? I want to hear Justin's. I'm dying to hear Justin's. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, I, you guys should probably realize it based on how much I was into it when we talked about it. But um, it might surprise a lot of people, but it is. Uh, have you driven a Ford lately? Wow. Um, oh, I just loved yeah. that episode. I thought it was so cool. You know, I, 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 it just seemed like something that I would want to do with a buddy. You know what I mean? And it was like, it really made me feel very relatable to the characters and plus it had awesome steve in it you know you don't mm -hmm. get that too often um i know that there's more significant episodes like 16 years and this is what do i get or and what do i get what do and get? Yeah. yeah what do you get and um of course the pilot episode but th this was kind of mine this was my favorite yeah i just want to say coincidentally enough we don't get awesome jerry too often either so that totally <laughs> <laughs> I I think my uh, blow my blow my mind segments or blow your mind segments uh, come off pretty good. Yeah, we hardly blew Jerry's on that last one. Where we try to convince him out who's the boss is great. Yeah, well, he wasn't buying it, bro. I'm horny. What are you going to do about it? Yeah, your little blow your mind gate it still garnered a two point five. I feel like um everyone should know my favorite. I, I, I rated two episodes out of season one, I believe, of five out of five. One was the pilot. So the other one, what, like, Alex, do you know what my favorite episode is? Let me skim through. How do you not know this? Justin, do you know it? It's uh, 16 years and what do I get? 
Yes, sir, you are correct. 16 Years is my favorite episode, episode six. My top three went eight, seven, six. I don't know why, but that's how it worked out. Um, that is my favorite episode of season. It might end up being one of my favorite episodes of all time. If we do this and we had to pick one episode per season, this would be mine because it has all the jokes. It has every. It has Al being smooth, getting shut down. Him, it, everything. This episode has everything, and it has one of the rare heartfelt moments done in the proper Bundy way, and I love it. I, if you want to hear me gush about it, go back and listen to that episode, episode six. I gushed enough about it there. That one episode has one of the best endings ever. It's one we're not going to get a lot, but it's one we don't need a lot. One was perfect and that's that's all we'll ever need just so you know there are sentimental episodes down the road so don't think that the show is void of it just because it became like a joke machine and they hit strides that uh, almost seem like we don't have time to waste on things like that or we have a zillion jokes to get out don't think that that's really the case they do address the the love Al and Peg have for each other again. There are sentimental moments again. Yeah, but they're they're more along the lines of him talking about a baseball glove and not as good as this. <laughs> yeah, well. So, I mean, there's nothing there's nothing more to say about that episode. There's one episode where actual Al moves out of the house and. Whoa! Spoilers. Hold up here. Oh, you won't remember this by the time it happens. Dude, I'm talking ten years from now. <laughs> yeah, you're not gonna remember this. But what I do want to remember is uh, what your favorite episode of season one is. Because out of everybody, I think your favorite episode is the most important because you're 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 the old eyes here. Um, yeah, if you think of it that way, I suppose. But I don't know. I think it's just a personal thing again. Ivor, I don't have much to say about it because I already mentioned it in talking about Al's highlight moment. And, uh, I knew it. Yeah, the episode has my name in it, man. Al loses his cherry. It's still my favorite. I made that clear when we reviewed it. It's just perfect. I mean, you know, when you put Mary with Children on and something like that comes on, you're just like, huh, great. That was great. Love it. Okay, good. Okay, I'm good. Thank you. That was amazing. Then you go on to your normal life. You know, like that is the kind of episode that was. It's just so fun. I love Luke Ventura. Again, bro, we'll miss you. Uh, Love everything. It is just, and it has like a heartfelt moment as screwed up as it is. You know, just like you're 16 years and what do you get? Uh, Al really loves Peg. That's showing up at the end. When he uh, doesn't cheat and goes back home. But it's so screwed up because yet, although he does that, he throws a blonde wig on her. But look at the bright side. At least that got Reese on our show. So you can't be all against that. Yeah, yeah. True. I'm not against the episode. I think it's a great episode. Um, It is is one of the best written episodes. Oh, yeah. uh, Period. So, I mean, and I knew that was going to be your... I knew... Y'all would know what my favorite was, and I knew I would know what your favorite was, but I, I did not know what Justin's was going to be, so it was really cool to hear his. Yeah, I knew both of you guys's. <laughs> well, you want to hear what's weird? Uh, the episode, um, Have You Driven a Ford Lately, which is Justin's favorite one, 
That is the one that people cited was our breakout show. They said Justin really came alive in that one. (laughs) They said you could tell he was a little apprehensive. You could tell he was finding his footing. He never did a TV show, sitcom, podcast. He doesn't know the show. And that was all, you know, completely apparent in the first couple episodes of our podcast. They said he had an interest. You could tell that. He was all into it and this and that. But you could tell... There was that disconnect, but they Mm -hmm. said, man, once you guys did that show, something happened with Justin. He just turned a new leaf or whatever. He just seemingly fit right into the show. You could tell, oh, that's why he's on this podcast. Oh, I get it now. He's really good. He was finding his footing. He He needed an episode that clicked and then it would turn the lights on. It would be like, oh, okay, I get it. I see what we're doing here. You know what? It, that's kind of interesting that you mentioned that because it might actually – that could could that have actually swayed why I like that episode so much is because when we recorded it, I had such a good time as well. Hmm. It was our best time to, to begin. We might have had other good ones, but that was the turning point for our show. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, cool. we definitely – we I remember listening to that show and just going, man, we are clicking yeah. We are we are there. And then when people were just like, Man, y'all really y'all really had it this episode, I was like, All right, we're good. It don't and it only took us four episodes. It did not take us long for us all to just kind of fall in. And now we know what questions to ask each other. We know our roles. Right. And um I think we put out a great podcast and I can't wait to start season two if I get to meet the boss. <laughs> Do you guys want to meet the boss? I'm trying to meet the boss. We're unfairly represented. Um, You hold all the power, and we're just over here like your your knucklehead sidekicks. Yeah, haven't you listened to the listeners saying that I I had a breakout moment? I think I'm worth something, damn it. Yeah, and I'm not worth anything, but I'm going to go on his curtails. All right, hold on, guys. Sanjay! Sanjay! What is his name? Don yeah, I'm sorry, dude. Please, do me this favor. I need these guys on the next season. Yeah, hey. I know, just come on. I don't know what to do. Yet, what do oh, yeah, hello guys. What would you like uh, to talk to me about? Um. I'm the owner of the Jiggly Room. Well, I didn't think about what I would say to him when he got here. I was face deep in breasts and you pull me out to come talk to me and I come to talk to you and you have nothing to say. Uh, Jerry, do we have demands? Wait, first of all, you're in titties all day. Every day. Why, like, why was that, like, are you bringing that up as a, as a point of contention against us? <laughs> because first I'm face deep in titties, now I'm talking to two boobs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Well, yeah, we do have demands. How come Alex gets a special chair with a toilet um and you give him you you let him do whatever he wants but we don't get no free lap dances we don't get no no free buffets i i would like to go into the all you can eat chicken wing buffet how come i can't do that we can't let you do that because you'll overeat and the girls will not like your uh, you have to keep your sexy body i would like a parking spot with my name on it i don't have a parking spot with my name on it that's because no one can spell your name. Now listen, we have... <laughs> hey, listen, smartass. Look, 
I'm horny. What are you going to do about it? What am I going to do about it? I provide you with Rocky Mountain. I provide you with candy. I provide hey, you... Hey, stay away from candy. Hey, listen. Where do you think you met her? <laughs> She's my bitch. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't be calling her a bitch. Don't be degrading women like that. What do you think this oh, is? Oh, now you own candy because you had a little bit of fun. I'm sorry. You're very naive. Whoa, whoa. I, I personally am offended uh, that an establishment like yours would just be calling women names like that. I, I, I don't know what this is. Well, what are you going to do about it? I have plenty of singles. They'll stay no matter what I call them. I'm going to beg you to uh, do give me something just so I can pretend I won and keep doing this podcast. Like, throw me, like, a free 10-piece chicken wing. That's it. Like, that's not a bad. Like, yeah, give, what? what is the point of this? So, you want to meet your boss, otherwise you quit the podcast. Here I am. I'm meeting you. Do you want me to shake your hand? You don't want to smell my fingers, but you can shake my hand if you want. To be fair, we didn't really think about what we would say when we met you. We just thought it was important that we meet you, which we now... That is such a stupid, stupid premise. Why? Who would even think of such a thing? The writers of episode 12? I, who, who would think of this? <laughs> um... Nobody! It's stupid! Do you understand this is stupid? Now go back to your podcast... It's where you belong. You just said you hit your little stride and uh, uh, forward lately. Take that. <laughs> run with it. Uh, be appreciative that you're in such a good position and leave me alone. Enjoy my women, but leave me alone. Uh, yes, ma'am. I mean, uh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. We will do that. Thank you for having us. We appreciate everything uh, that you do and uh, your establishment and uh, Justin, we need to get out of here. We are looking uh, great. Hey, I like you guys. Enjoy some more funny money and uh, keep up the great work, okay? I don't know what to tell you. Oh, oh I'm coming right over, sweetie. I, ju- I just have to sell some blueberry squishies to these guys and I'll be right over. What is a blueberry squishy? I've never even heard of that drug. Okay, uh, well, I don't know the hell was that all about so are you happy uh yeah we'll go with happy alex don't you worry about that we dominated that conversation he bowed to us don't you worry about that yeah we never want to meet the boss again yeah i don't know what why you wanted it i, I didn't want to meet him i just trying to get in the jiggly room well, we just well, thought you were having special privileges and we didn't no like it. no i was trying to air our show from the greatest possible place we could air it from the nudie bar i mean i I, I didn't want to do it from the shoe store. I don't know why you guys wanted to meet this jerk. Well, look, I don't have any good answers for you, but what I do have is a good time coming in season two for you. Yeah. Okay, guys. So let's go ahead and uh, tell you really quick as we wrap this up, this is the end of the wrap up show, guys. So, what we have coming up, remember, we are moving to Wednesdays, but we're getting a tiny little break as we transition to an earlier date on the week. So, we're going to review Poppies by the Tree Part 1 and 2, which will air April 19th, and from there, every show is going to be on Wednesday. We got If I Were a Rich Man, Buck Can Do It, Girls Just Want to Have Fun, Part 1 and 2, For Whom the Bell Tolls. Born to Walk, Alley of the Dolls, The Razor's Edge, How Do You Spell Revenge, Earth Angel, You Better Watch Out, Guys and Dolls, 
build a better mousetrap, master the possibilities, Peggy loves Al, yeah, 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 the great escape, impotent, just married with children, father load, and all in the family. Those are all the episodes we're going to be reviewing in season two of the Married with Children podcast. Guys, had a great time. Can't wait to come back and review that horrific episode. It's like a horror movie, Poppies by the Tree. Guys, any last words? See you in season two. Remember, be your best Steve. Thank you.